Hey everybody, welcome back to The Future Is Now podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited for episode number three. We got my good friend Joe Little from Mission Church in California joining us today. Uh, He's taken on a youth pastor job this past year, and so we're just going to be talking about youth pastoring in the middle of COVID, how he has adjusted to doing a big move from Florida to California. So it was a great conversation. I hope that it blesses you. Wherever you're listening, podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you drop a comment and let me know that you subscribed. It's going to be an amazing episode. Here we go. Well, hey, Joe, thank you so much for coming on to the Future Is Now podcast episode three. We're glad to have you today. Dude, thanks for having me, man. I'm so so excited to be here. This is going to be so fun. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I know that we have known each other, kind of grown closer. Um, we kind of did that weird, like, we knew each other from other people. Like, like I felt like I knew you before I met you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, liking pictures, commenting. But um, I'm glad that, you know, we finally have formed a friendship. And so for those that are listening, I kind of want to start off with you explaining kind of where you come from, kind of the places that you've been, because and then we'll touch on where you are now. Uh, But just so they can have a base going forward of where you are and what you're doing today. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in uh, Lansing, Michigan, huge Michigan State fan. Go green. Uh, and after, uh, honestly living there, I lived there until I was about 17. And then my whole family, uh, I grew up in church. Uh, my parents were, were ministers at the church that we were at and the whole church moved down to Florida, uh, to help launch another church. Uh, so it's a crazy, crazy story. Um, but we pretty much moved to Florida my senior year of high school and I grew up playing basketball, uh, pretty much my entire life. Loved basketball, was obsessed with basketball. Um, So my senior year comes around and all of the colleges in Michigan that I had had interest or had interest in me and and were thinking about maybe having me go out to a tryout, things like that. um, All the interest just kind of went away because it's like, okay, where'd this guy go? Like, you know, like this guy's guy's not here anymore. (laughs) Um, So honestly, after my senior year of high school uh, had ended uh, with the season, I I was still in high school. I just started sending out emails to a ton of coaches. Um, So literally like 50 to 70 coaches just in the Florida, Georgia, Alabama, um, just area, just emailed a bunch of coaches and sent them my highlight tape, sent them like, Hey, my name is Joe Little. I'm, I'm six, five. I'd love to trap for your team. Um, and one coach emailed me back and it was the coach at Southeastern university and it was crazy. So I go out, um, to Southeastern, I try out for the team, play the worst basketball of my life. It was terrible. <laughs> I literally left thinking, all right, I guess I'm just going to go get my degree at like a four-year four year school and we'll figure out what I'm going to do. Um, but then about a week later, um, I got a call saying, hey, like you made the team. Uh, we'd love for you to c- come out and join the team. So I end up playing basketball there and it's a Christian university. And I remember the first weekend there, uh, they had this huge, huge church service. And the pastor, the campus pastor there preached and I had really, I had grown up in church, like I said, um, but I really like heard the gospel preach and, and it felt like it was the first time, like it was just an experience with God yeah. uh, personally, not like through my family or things like that. Um, so then as time just went on and just playing basketball and uh, I really just felt that call, uh, you know, just called to, to be a pastor and I eventually wanted to be a youth pastor and work in a church and and uh, serve God in that kind of realm. Um, so when I graduated, I, I met my wife my senior year of college, 
Uh, shout out to my wife, Paige Little, uh, the GOAT. She's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so um, I met her my senior year and she had moved down to Florida because the campus pastor um, at Southeastern was planning a church in Florida. So she moved down to kind of help with that. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll stick around. You know, she's sticking yeah. around. I'll stick around. Uh, so I kind of stuck around uh, for four years. We ended up getting married. We, we were married for two years. Uh, and then the pastor there um, kind of reached out to me and he said, Hey Joe, my best friend just planted a church in California in the Bay area. Um, and he said, he's looking for a youth pastor and I think you'd be perfect for it. So we kind of flew out, loved it. I mean, the Bay area is amazing. We, we love it. It's, it's amazing out here in Cali. Um, and we just really felt God called us out here and we moved. And the day we moved the shelter in place, uh, went into effect and we've been locked down ever since, uh, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So you guys moved down to California um, and that's a pretty, obviously a big decision. And so it was it a year after you guys were married that you moved down about. Uh, so about two, like we had okay. just crossed two. Gotcha. So obviously like moving across the country is a pretty big decision um, for you and your wife. And so, and I don't know about you, but the, the transition for me of like when I was single, I was like down, you know, pretty much down for anything. Like, let's just like, yeah, like, like let's let, let life take me wherever, you know, I'll move here. I'll go here. But it, it is a different type of responsibility and weight when all of a sudden I'm married and I'm responsible for a family now. Cause that's what it is. It's like, as a man, you're responsible for this family. So, um, that's a pretty big decision that obviously had a lot of considerations. And so, um, what would you encourage people on? Cause I think a lot of people wrestle with big decisions and I have a conversations a lot of times with people that are like, I just don't, they, they're afraid of choosing the wrong option. If that makes sense. Like a lot of people just get so gridlocked and freezed just because they're so afraid that they might choose the wrong option. So what was your process in, um, kind of dealing with that and, um, making that decision for yourself? Yeah. I think that there was a couple things. Um, I think even backpacking off what we just said, um, you have to know the voices that are around you. Uh, mm -hmm. so there were maybe about four people who I was like, if any of these four people would have told me like, it's not the right move. Like really, really honestly, like three people, if any of these yeah. people said, Hey, like it was not the right move. I don't think you should do it. I would have strongly um, considered not moving, like strongly. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like my wife and, and close friends and, and my pastors at the time, like people like that, like if they would have, if all of those people collectively would have said, hey, this is the wrong move, <laughs> then I have to like trust that, okay, this is probably the wrong move. Um, but having their their blessings and and obviously my, my wife having her blessing, like her blessing is obviously like a, a yes or no. Like it's like, you don't, okay, cool. We're staying. Yeah. You know? never mind. Um, Forget yeah, I said yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that that's huge is just identifying those people who can make, like not make or break a decision, but who you strongly, um, whose, whose advice you strongly take and, and consider. Um, as well as I think knowing your season is just huge. Yeah. Um, so we kind of knew the season that we were in and I knew that what I personally and what my wife personally wanted to accomplish. Um, so I think that was a huge thing too, of like, okay, this is a great way to get the ball rolling on some of our dreams and things that we, we want to get done. And then I think to anyone who's maybe concerned about making the wrong decision, the biggest thing that helped me the most is understanding that there's grace in, in anything. Um, I think right. I once, I once heard a pastor say they were like, 
how arrogant of us to believe that one decision could completely take us out of the will of God. Right. You know, yeah. like it's like just because if I would have decided to move out here and let's say it wasn't God's will for my life, um, I could have moved somewhere else in a year and and been fine. You know, like I think a lot of times we think, okay, if I make this decision, it's going to define the next 15 years of my life. And totally. it's like, no, yeah. that's, that's not the case. Um, so I would definitely say um the blessings of the people who you consider super strong understanding your season asking yourself hey what do i want out of this season um and what's the best avenue for that to happen obviously prayer um like we felt god had called us here especially when we came out to visit like we were both um like after a couple days of being here we're like okay this is a no-brainer like we we want to be here um mm -hmm. And I think those things, and then also just realizing there's grace. Now, should I take that grace and just wildly be like, oh, I'm moving here. Oh, I'm moving here. Oh, I'm... Of course yeah. not. Um, but I think if anyone's struggling with that anxiety of, oh, well, well, what if I'm going to move and, and 10 years from now, I'm not doing what God's called me to do. It's like, no, that's, that's just not the case, you know? <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I, um, I had a conversation uh, probably a couple months ago with one of, uh, a young leader and, uh, he was talking about, you know, he's like, I, I just don't know what to do because like, what if I, you know, he's deciding between jobs. He's like, what if I take this job and then it leads to this and then it leads to this. And all of a sudden we're talking like 20 years down the road. And I was like, dude, chill out a second. <laughs> like, and so I think at the end of the day, I told him, God values your heart above anything else. If your heart is to serve the Lord, of course, you're going to make decisions that are probably wrong like we all do but if your heart's in the right place then obviously it's not going to be like god's like well actually i wanted you to do this and you missed it so now here you go there's going to be 40 years of a curse on your life like that's not how it works so um that's great advice though to just make sure that a you're consulting with people that you trust and b you know i think i think any action is better than no action you know and honestly it's my opinion that i think we're talking, you said it, we're talking about a God of infinite grace, right? So maybe there's the best decision for your life. And if you don't do that at one point, at some point, obviously there's so much grace for you to where God's able to reroute that path for you in the long run. So um, that is good though, in those, in those large decisions to, to, I think the important thing is to have action, to make a decision, you know? Yeah. And that's huge. I think that, that I love that, that some action is better than inaction. And I think a lot of times we think, like, like, for example, the move to California, some people would say, oh, well, if you didn't move, that's inaction. And I think that if you're deciding to stay where you are, no, that's action. And you throw yourself into it. You stay faithful. You, you grind. Yeah. You, you do all that you can in the season that you're in. I think that a lot of times we think because it's not this huge transition that that's not action. But no, being faithful is an action. We were faithful in Florida for four years. And, and that was mm -hmm. an action. We, we had some different opportunities to go here to go there and we were like no like we, we feel god in this season was calling us there that's an action um yeah. so i love that you said that like because you can even stay where you are and and have inaction you can just sit there and and just grovel in your season and it's like no right. take where you're at do all that you can get everything you can out of it cool uh well we're gonna take a uh, second we, we have something uh, a segment called the hot take segment okay so this isn't going to be related to ministry at all actually i mean it might be a little bit but uh, basically, I'm going to rattle off some questions for you, and you're going to give your hot take on it. And so I know you're a basketball guy, so I got some basketball questions. I pretty much already know your answer based on your social media, but it's all right. So the first question is, in the great debate, do you have MJ or do you have LeBron? Can I throw a third option in? 
Whoa, dude, this is the exact heat that we need in hot takes. Yes, put in a third option. Third the option. hot take section, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is your all-time greatest. All-time go. I will say, emotional, like I have no logic behind it. Don't ask me why. Okay, okay, that because that was my next question. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There is no logic. Like, don't like, don't send me stats. Like, oh, MJ yeah, did this, yeah, yeah. LeBron did that. Like, I just don't care. Kobe's my goat. If I have Kobe's to choose between guy. those two, though, uh -huh. uh, definitely MJ. 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 Yeah. Okay. This year, who's winning the NBA final? Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Okay. What's your, I already know your take, but what's your take on the Brooklyn Nets right now? I think, and, and I, this is going to be really funny that this is being recorded because if I'm wrong, like someone could for <laughs> sure, like just go back and, if, and if, expose me. If you're me. wrong, I'll delete the episode right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just delete the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think they will implode. Um, so we Whoa. finally got to see. 100%. I, we finally got to see what they look like, all three of them together, um, which, which when this podcast came out, they had just played the Cavs, um, mm -hmm. and, and they lost double overtime. Colin Sexton had 42 on Kyrie. Yeah, I, did. Yeah. I think their biggest holes are they traded away a great big in Jared Allen. Um, they traded away their bench, and they don't play defense. Like, okay, you added James Harden, who can average 30 easily. Yeah but he doesn't really play defense. Kyrie doesn't right. really play defense. KD just started playing defense like two years ago. Like yeah. they don't really have any defense. Like if Colin Sexton drops 42 on you and you're laughing, like that lets me know your defensive posture right there, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Defense wins championships, man. Yeah, hundred percent. So I could see them going, you know, Eastern Conference finals or even to the finals. Like I'm not crazy. I think that there's a chance they go to the finals. Yeah. I just don't think they defend well enough to win four games. I like that take. That's a good one. Okay, switching lanes a little bit. Outside of your church, obviously, who's your favorite preacher to listen to? Judah Smith. Judah Smith. Judah Smith. I love too. Judah Smith. Um, and it's a tie between him and TD Jakes. Every time I listen to TD Jakes, I feel like I can run through a brick wall. A hundred percent. And that is like my litmus test for like, okay, this is a preacher who to me is like one of the goats. Like, how do you feel while you're like listening to them? And there have exactly. been times when I'm in my car listening to TD Jakes and I'll like scream. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what have you read a book or listened to a podcast lately that you're all about? Okay. So I'm all about the ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, so okay. I don't know if you've heard about this book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so this book is all about chilling out basically like, Hey, like you're working super hard, which obviously we're supposed to do, but it's all about the Sabbath and how can you make sure that you're healthy? How can you run well? How can you rest well? Um, so I read that book twice last year. That's probably going to be a book that I read again, like twice this year um to where it was just it's just insane to me just the way that he can break down the importance of rest and and mm -hmm. how our whole life um and honestly the biggest thing that that stuck out to me that I'll always remember is he talks about how technology was made for things to go faster so that we had more time to rest so like they created the car because it was faster than a horse um so that you <laughs> could get to where you want to go Right. And you could have more time to rest, but instead we're, instead of traveling the exact same miles fast, same amount of miles faster, we're just traveling more miles. And I think that that just like completely, um, 
relates to our culture to where now we can do things so fast, like social media, you can, you can go on social media, drop a video and get famous like fast. Like you can like right. do you can get influence fast. And I think instead of taking that as a way of doing the same amount of things, like building people up and, and encouraging mm -hmm. people, now we're just doing more stuff. Um, yep. So yeah, so I would say that's a book that just wrecks me every time I read it and right. it's just so good. Yeah, that's uh, it's a good point too because I think that, and I've talked about this a little bit um, with my friends, but the accessibility of everything is amazing, but I think it almost has eliminated a lot of people's ability to like critically think about things. Because I think about myself all the time of like, you know, um, if I'm ever wondering something historically or whatever, or problem solving, you know, like uh, to put this sign up, I had a huge hole right here, right? So, but I don't know how to patch a hole. So like I'm looking it up like on YouTube and everything. And so because answers are so accessible, we, ha we aren't able to struggle with things. And I think you learn so much when you actually struggle with something and you like look at it and you actually have to problem solve. And so I think a lot of times, like, especially as leaders, like we're always looking for answers when there's so much more in the struggle of like the learning that we can accomplish when we're actually trying to figure something out ourselves. So I, I'm, uh, I haven't read all of it, but I'm actually in the uh, process. I, we haven't even talked about this, but I'm in the process of reading that book and it's been incredible. So what I want to talk about now is um, youth pastoring in the middle of COVID because COVID has just been, I mean, unprecedented, obviously. And so we've never experienced this. And you said that you took this job right when COVID started. So I'm curious as to how you've been operating in that and maybe what you've um, what you've observed from how the youth are for COVID. I mean, I'm thinking of like, man, if it was my senior year of high school, right? And I didn't get to play soccer and I didn't get to be with my friends, like how that has ta would take a toll on me. And so how has it been for you kind of stepping into a youth job during COVID? Yeah, I think that something I've observed in the students, um, just in, and even in the parents, honestly, is just how important um, any type of in-person gathering is. Like, I right. think that um, the parents were just so thankful. So we started these things called fall nights um, to where we literally just hung out with students um, at like restaurants downtown. Like we didn't have any type of ultimatum. We weren't like trying to pack the place out like we weren't we were literally just like hey we just want to give you a place to hang out with your friends um yeah. downtown outside that's safe and when they stopped and we had to we were going to do one big event and we had to cancel it um because because of covid things things went uh south and literally the day we were supposed to have our event they were like hey no more gatherings things like that um and you could just see like parents just emails like hey can we please just do something in person soon like the online stuff, like they, they're online all day for school. They're online all day for this. They can't see their friends. Can we please? So you just really understand yeah. like how much of a, like a pastor that students need. Like students, I think, I think youth pastor can sometimes come across as this arrogant thing to where it's about the big events and it's about the services mm -hmm. and it's about doing all of this different stuff. But I think what I've, what I've just learned over COVID and what I think I, after talking through to just a few youth pastors, it's like, you know, like we're called to, actually pastor our students through some of the hardest times of their lives like students right. right now are like you said it's unprecedented they don't have older siblings to ask advice from they don't have mm -hmm. like parents who can who can tell them hey I, I couldn't hang out with my friends for almost a year like I know how this feels there was a guy who was um who was at our youth ministry at one of our events who hadn't left his house in like four months 
Um, like it's like they don't they don't have people who can do that. So I think right. just understanding um, how you can create a win in your season. I think that that's like the biggest thing that I've had to learn because right now our win as a now almost a year old youth ministry, um, our win isn't a huge conference event that's going to pack the place out. Like that's not a win right now. A win for us is just creating an environment where students can have a positive influence in their life and that they can hang out with their friends. Um, because I think COVID, what I've seen and what, I, what I've noticed is that um, it can be really easy to just kind of lay back mm-hmm. and just like take, take anything, you know? Like I could have easily came out, took this job and just really not really done anything for six yeah. months and because it was COVID, like that, that might've even been acceptable. That might've even been normal or, or as seen as something that was okay. Um, but I think what I had to learn is that you have to go all in for what your win is. So if our win is having these fall nights at restaurants, if our win is having these events in people's backyard, well, then we have to go all in for those wins. We have to do all that we can for those wins. Um, or even through like, like just playing Fortnite with students. Like, it's like, I, I had never played Fortnite before until COVID. And then all of a sudden, right. um, COVID came and my students were playing Fortnite. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to play Fortnite. I'm going to figure yeah. it out. Uh, um, or even coaching, like I coached um, one of the teams in the area. Um, so I think that what I've seen is that you just have to pastor students and you just have to figure out what your win is in this season. Um, mm-hmm. So we're starting some really cool stuff this spring and, and we're identifying our wins and what we can do to really connect with our community and connect with our students. And I think that that's the biggest thing I've learned is whatever yeah. your win is in your business and your family and in your ministry, you have to go all in for that. Like don't hold back and make sure that everything that you do creates that win for your team. Yeah, that's good. I think it, it almost, I mean, society kind of stopped altogether at some, I mean, well, literally everything closed down for a couple months, but it almost brought a forced you know, thought and perspective of getting to the heart of pastoring people. And that's, you know, making sure that you're caring for the individual, you know, when you don't have the opportunity to gather people, you know, you all, you have to make those individual touches, phone calls, you know, and check up on people. And I think that's what, I mean, that honestly, like I texted a a buddy of mine that um, moved away um, and I haven't seen him for a while, but I just texted him today and I was like, Hey man, just want to let you know that I'm praying for you. You're on our, you're on my heart. You know, and he replied, he's like, oh, wow, like I can't, you know, I'm going through something right now. And it means a lot to me that you, you know, texted me and reached out. And so it's just crazy the the actual impact that individual conversations and touches mean, um, because I think a lot of times, unfortunately, they're like, in my opinion, I think large gatherings, um, like in general, not like COVID, but like in, in the world general, but normally large gatherings, a huge win for the church, right? 1500 person conference. That's amazing. Cause there's so much, um, so many people getting touched and affected by, um, what's happening. But I think there is a population that's like, well, it's just all about numbers. You know, it's all about the masses. So I think this, this season almost forced everybody to kind of reconsider, Hey, we do this for the one person, you know? And, and I think that's, that's huge too, is just understanding what season you're in. Like, will there be totally. a season where we're throwing, a camp or a conference and our, and our win is yes, let's pack the place out. Let's, let's reach every single student in the area, of course. Um, but is that a realistic win right now for a year old youth ministry that can't even meet in person? Right. Right. right, right. And, and California is like locked, locked down. Yeah. Yeah. We're on, we're on stay at home order. Like you can't eat outside. 
Like I'm golfing like right. four times a week just to get out of the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, awesome. And the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is, um, has there been any learning curves for you in your first year? You know, has there been anything that has surprised you about uh, accepting this pastor job in your first year? I, I know that, you know, I come into a lot of contact with uh, people that are like, yeah, I want to be a pastor, which is amazing, which is an incredible call on their life. Um, but I think sometimes maybe we don't understand the whole picture of everything. So has there been challenges that you faced this yeah, year? With yeah, yeah. I think that the biggest thing um, that I had to learn was just the importance of team and building culture. Mm. Um, so when I moved out here, the youth ministry consisted of about six to seven kids and yeah. about six to eight leaders um and what they did was they met every wednesday night or every other wednesday night they watched videos on the screen and then they played games and that was the youth ministry like that the kids loved it leaders loved leading it um so one of the things that i had to do when i came out here was okay i have to build a team and and transition and build culture and set new culture and, and create new new things um so did we lose people on the team, of course, because that's going to happen in any transition. Right. Um, but I also had to learn the importance of pastoring a team, of building a team, of pouring into teams. So my pretty much first six months and even now, um, and probably for the rest of my time as a pastor anywhere will always be things like coffees and, and golf with, with leaders and pouring into our, our team. Um, a concept that our, our pastor here in, in California, um, talks about a lot is this concept of core community crowd uh, and just mm. pouring into your core um, and pouring into your core until then it becomes a community and the community can reach a crowd. Um, so that's like, I think that the biggest thing that I've had to learn is that because me, I'm like I said earlier, I'm a three, like I'm an achiever. I want to yeah. pour into everyone. I want to reach everyone. I want to do everything on my own. Like there are some times where we've had an event and uh, Paige, my wife will be like, Hey, what do you, like, it's the day of the event. Hey, what are you, what are you doing this morning before the event? And I'll be like, oh, I'm running a target to get this. I'm doing this. I'm setting up this. I'm running this. I'm doing this. And she's yeah, like, yeah. hey, like you don't like you shouldn't be doing everything, you know? Like not even in like a oh, like you're the youth pastor, you shouldn't be doing it. She's like, hey, like you you can't sustain this way. Like when events are like moving forward, you have to have a team. Um, so I would say that's the biggest thing that I've learned is you have to continually continuously just build your team, just love your team, pastor your team, and just always uh, be willing to to do anything you can for your team because they do, you can only go as far as your team goes. Like if your team's not good, you're, you're not going to go far. I mean, we, we talked about basketball and all the teams in the NBA, like you have people who can't win. And the reason why is because their team just isn't good enough. Like you see these right. guys who are teamed up with like James Harden, the reason why he said he left because he knew they could, their team wasn't good enough. He said, they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, so you, and he's, he's one of the best scorers in the league. Um, averages like over 30 a game and, and he couldn't win. Um, so you only can go as far as, as your team allows you to, and you have to mm. figure out a way to set your team up for success. Um, yeah. that makes sense. That's great. Um, well, honestly, that's, that's all we have time for today. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I know that everybody that's listening or watching is going to gain a lot, um, from it. And so, we've learned a lot from your first year and I know that, you know, the next few years is only going to be up for you and your team over there at mission church. But again, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, I really do appreciate you coming on.